Welcome back to the Smart HVAC Marketing Podcast, the podcast for HVAC contractors who are ready to quit screwing around and begin growing their business. My name is Eric Thomas, and I am the host of the show. And this podcast is powered by Rival Digital, which is a full-service digital marketing agency for HVAC contractors. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of the Smart HVAC Marketing Podcast. My name is Eric Thomas. I am the host of this show. I hope everybody had a great Labor Day weekend. If you're listening to this, uh, it's probably been a couple weeks after Labor Day weekend. So I hope that you had a great Labor Day weekend, and I hope that your first few weeks back to work have been great and you are beginning uh, to prepare for wintertime. Uh, which is fastly approaching. You know, right now we're kind of hitting that shoulder season, at least here in Virginia, where it's starting to cool off a little bit. Uh, we're not seeing so much AC repair jobs coming in, but we're beginning to see people begin doing furnace tune-ups and stuff like that, preparing for the cold. And so I think this will be a perfect guest for us to have in regards to cold because <laughs> today we are joined by Derek Jackson from Wardlaw Heating and Cooling, which is located up in Canada. Derek, how are you doing? I'm doing great. Thank you. Thanks for having me. <laughs> Absolutely. So, Derek, why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself for all of our listeners out there and tell them a little bit more about Wardlaw Heating and Cooling. For sure. Thank you. Um, yeah, so I'm Derek Jackson. I work here at Wardlaw Heating and Cooling in Sault Ste. Marie, Ontario. I oversee a lot of our office side of things, mainly sales and marketing. Um, I also see do human resources and health and safety. Um, we are a uh, I'm third generation here in the family, um, the Wardlaw family, and we've been in the business for 40 years. This is our 40th anniversary this year. We've had a lot of evolution. It started from a fuel delivery uh, company and gas station, and with the market, we developed into service and installations, and now that's our uh, our main role here in our community. Uh, we have um, a large heating and cooling line, as well as a really large uh, fireplace side that we do, and so... Um, we have kind of a broad range of uh, equipment and uh, areas that we focus on here. Uh, something else here in Northern Ontario, not a huge population density. So we have um, a very large service area. So we do a lot of traveling. Sometimes we'll be, you know, an hour, two hours uh, drive to get to the customer's homes. Um, but that uh, makes it pretty fun and makes it a little challenging for as the different jobs come up that are unique all over the place. But yeah, that's certainly our role here is to cover that whole community and make sure everyone's comfortable and safe. Awesome. 40 years is, that's awesome. And it sounds like you guys have pivoted a lot uh, from fuel delivery to heating and air conditioning. So I guess what, I guess what drove that change early on? Um, really, we followed the market. So one thing that we've always done here is uh, maintain relationships and memberships in a lot of industry groups in Canada, uh, as well as North America as a whole. And we've watched what's trending. So when we were delivering oil uh, as a as we started and we're successful in that, we definitely saw the market trending where we were having less and less oil customers. So we got into propane, we got into servicing the equipment. And we went from servicing just oil to obviously gas and everything else that was coming on um, in our community, at least that happened kind of uh, 80s into the 90s. And now since then, we're now going towards where we're seeing everyone get off of oil and um, we're, we're mainly gas. And we look at the or sorry, the industry trending again towards greener options and um, heat pumps and geothermals and all that. So um, it's, it's staying with the trends, knowing what's going on in the industry 
and adapting to support the community the best we can as needed. Yeah. So when you're talking about the fireplace stuff, that seems pretty interesting because it's not a service that, like we were saying beforehand, it's not a service that you hear a lot about. Um, so, so what does that look like? And I guess how, how does that affect the communities that you all serve? Right. So fireplace is a huge um, area for us in our company here. It's not something that every company deals with here, but certainly many homes in our area have a fireplace. And some of them are, a lot of them are gas and some of them have wood fireplaces um, and electric's becoming a bigger um, market as well. That's more for, you know, some ambiance as homes uh, are being built better now. They don't need that extra supplementary heat that fireplaces used to offer in our cold climates. But we still are seeing a lot of people want to have a gas fireplace. Um, where we're seeing them a lot here is electrically heated homes. Um, electricity is very expensive in our market here. And a lot of people aren't wanting to heat their home all winter long with electricity. So they're putting fireplaces in. They're easier installs. They don't um, tear up your whole home to put ductwork in. Um, more cost efficient. And then you have that nice, beautiful piece that adds a whole new um, mood and decor and ambience onto your home. And we've gone from, you know, freestanding stoves to beautiful, huge linear um, models to everything you can possibly think of. We have indoor, outdoor ones with the window. You can have them on your patio and your living room. So there's really the sky's the limit with fireplaces. There's something for every type of home. And that's why we're seeing them be, continue to be so popular in our area. Yeah. So does the fireplace essentially replace the need for a heater in the home? It depends on certain homes. So here in our area, we have a lot of, you know, uh, 1,000 to 2,500 square feet homes. Um, that's kind of the sweet spot for our average here. And so a, a strong fireplace can heat that whole home. And depending on where it's put, the layout of the home, a lot of people use that. In our area, um, we cannot, a home cannot have just a fireplace as its primary heating source. Um, but like I mentioned before, electric baseboards or um, something, even electric furnace, that can be used. Um, for, so for people who have, say, a gas forced air system, typically it's more efficient to still heat with the forced air system. But a lot of people put a fireplace in their basement to make it more cozy um, and have that kind of instant heat. And that way you still, like I said, you have the ambience, you have the look. A lot of people in our area plan an entire remodel and decor around having a fireplace and then you get that coziness with it as well. Yeah. So does it have like, a, does it have exhaust? Like where like a traditional, I guess like wood burning stove would have some type of chimney, obviously. Does it, does it require a chimney? Yeah. So um, there, there's all different options now. Um, we have different fireplaces that are chimney vented. We can actually um, take masonry um, fire inserts and put a gas insert right into there and use the existing system. Um, might require a new line or something, but we can do all of that. That's no worries. And then we have direct vent that are going to go right out your wall. If you put it in your basement, we just go up and out and have a you know subtle exhausted intake, um, just as your uh, high efficient gas furnace would. Yeah. So when we're talking about marketing in particular, because you know you're saying you do marketing and sales for them, yes. what are some? I guess what are some ways that Ward Law has really utilized marketing in the past to grow the business as it's shaped and shifted over the years? Well, it's funny that we talk about fireplaces because we often say fireplaces are the kind of the sexy item in HVAC. Um, nobody really 
loves to look at a picture of a furnace or a picture of a heat pump. But you can do so much with a really great fireplace install. They're beautiful products and they show huge promise. So by setting ourselves apart, by having this really diverse fireplace lineup, we can get to into customers' home and then talk to them about their other options, their hot water tanks, their furnaces, their air conditionings. And so it's really about getting in that door. We offer in our community rental water heaters are um, a fairly large um, ticket that a lot of people like to go with. And we are the only company that offers a local option for renting water heaters. So it's about getting in that door, having a diverse lineup and, and making sure people know about that diverse lineup. And that's where we've gone from um, in the past when we were a fuel delivery, we started doing service. So we could service all of the different equipment and then say, hey, we're here servicing. Why don't we deliver your fuel as well or vice versa? And we've really um, adapted that now in all ways. Um, you know, we're here working on a fireplace. We're here putting in your hot water heater. We're here maintaining your existing equipment. Why don't we do it all? And that's really what it's become about for us. Yeah. Yeah. It's funny you said that about the fireplaces and <clears throat> no one liking to look at pictures of a heat pump. Cause like, <laughs> I see so much in marketing with HVAC companies. They, they love to show off pictures of the units that they install because to a technician or to someone in the industry, like that's so cool and it looks great. It was a clean install. The equipment looks nice, but like the average homeowner doesn't, doesn't really care about that. So what they, what they would much rather align with is, comfort and relaxing and enjoying your home and I, I can definitely see where you know imagery of a fireplace or you know a nice cozy living room would would be more effective than just a picture of a heat pump sitting in the backyard it's really funny we um when i was talking to, with other contractors about some of their marketing solutions and everything and we are all commenting on pictures of new installs versus old installs or what a not great system looked like versus what we installed um, and how clean and everything looked. And we realized, you know who really appreciates that? Only us, not the customers. <laughs> um, and so, yeah, we do try to stay away with that. Even if we have those pictures, we want it to be the subtle thing in the background of a happy family that's sitting there comfortable. It's mm -hmm. those types of images that really are going to catch people's attention. Yeah. Yeah, that's something that I've seen a lot of people do pretty well when it comes to like generator like generator yes. installs, like whole house standby generators, because like you see a family watching a movie and there's a storm going on in the background. And then like, obviously they're enjoying the movie because the power went out, but their generator kicked on and they're still able to watch the movie. So it kind of tells, it, it shows you what you, you know, can actually do with it or like you can help the customer envision, you know, what their life may be like if they have this $10,000 generator installed at their house or however much it may cost. That's right. We, we want to really look at customers are buying a product from us, but that product is going to lead to um, the solutions in their home, keeping them comfortable, keep them healthy, safe, um, adding to, you know, more efficiency and, and cost savings on their utilities. And that's kind of the story we want to tell. So it's not just about that photo. It's the experience or that equipment It's the experience they're going to have for hopefully the next 10, 15 years with that equipment. Mm-hmm. So what, what's the climate like up there? It's 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 fall all of a sudden. It happened real fast here. Um, so we always say as soon as Labor Day hits, um, it becomes heating season in our industry and our phones go wild. And this year was certainly no exception. So it's our, um, I'm going to talk to your Celsius here, so I apologize. Um, but we had a beautiful summer here of, you know, 30 to 40 degrees Celsius. 
which is quite warm here. Um, and we can go down to, you know, 20 to 30 below zero in, in the winter time. So we have a big swing in temperature here. Um, so that's, that's why it's so important to have your home set up nice. Uh, you know, you need, you need air conditioning in the summer to stay comfortable and you certainly need a, um, efficient and dependable heat source. And as I said, many places here want multiple heat sources. We have a lot of rural customers, you know, they can't depend on if the power goes out or their fuels delivered to them. It's not, you know, piped in. So if they run out of fuel, so that's why a lot of people need more than one heat source in their home. Yeah. For those of you listening who are like me and are <laughs> completely incapable of doing Celsius to Fahrenheit in your head, it negative 20 Celsius is negative four Fahrenheit. So that's that's pretty cold. That, that sounds like freezing cold, honestly. Yes. So you guys, <laughs> and like you said earlier, you guys have to travel sometimes an hour or two to a customer's home. So what's that like if the roads are sleek or icy or snowy? Well, we make sure, uh, yeah, we uh, have to keep a dependable fleet going, that's for sure, to make sure we can get through snow and sleet. Um, we do a lot of safety training and discussion on driving in winter and rain and ice. And um, and then we have the polar opposite where some in the summertime we're boating and um, on a customer's boat to um, a property or something. So um, we, we definitely see all sides of it. Um, probably our biggest challenges is um, snow storms that are really severe that um, we see them where they sometimes can knock out power with ice um, being on lines or weighing down trees. Um, that, that only happens rarely, maybe once or twice a year. We had, uh, I think it was, I believe it was two years ago, we had a real um, severe winter. Um, kind of it came all at once so within a couple of days. And we actually had to pull for, you know, a, a few hours. We had to pull our crews off the road because it just wasn't safe. And we had to allow for our maintenance crews to go out there and clear the roads. Um, luckily that's something we're used to in our community and we have amazing people that keep our highways and our roads clear. So we, we, we managed to deal with it pretty, pretty smoothly. I want to back up for a second. Cause I feel like I just heard you say something about boating, like with a boat <laughs> yes. to someone's house. Is that, is that correct? Yes, we do have customers um, who have boat access only. Um, some people live on an island or, um, you know, the roads are only on one side of the lake, not the other. And so we do definitely have boat access customers. And uh, it's kind of nice. You just have to leave a little bit of extra time for travel. And mm -hmm. but we can pack our tools in the boat with them. And typically the customers, you know, has a boat, obviously. So they'll pick you up when you drive out there. So um, it's, it's pretty neat. We certainly get to see all sides of things here. So do you all, do you all pack the equipment on the boat? Like do you just go casually boating across the lake with a heat pump in the boat? <laughs> um, we, we do what we have to do. That's for sure. So um, awesome. a lot of, a lot of times um, customers in those areas are pretty self-sufficient and they'll, they'll have equipment that they work on their own or that they'll um, set up on their own or bring and do a lot of the grunt work and then we'll show up and finish things off. Um, but not always. And a lot of times if they run out of heat, they're not always there to fix it. So, or, mm -hmm. you know, if there's a breakdown and, and they have to call and have somebody come repair. So grab your tool bag and hop in the boat. <laughs> Do you all have company boats? Um, no, no, it is. It is. Customer has to supply the boat. <laughs> I was about to say, that'd be really cool if you guys had like wrapped boats like you did your vans or something. That would be amazing. And that's something hope maybe in the future we'll have to look into. <laughs> yeah. I feel like 
if it were me and I was a technician and I knew I was going to like a boathouse, I would, I would be half tempted to like take a fishing pole with me and, <laughs> and like go fishing on my way to the house. Yeah. I think it'd be, um, you know, if you finish your day out at a location like that, why not spend an extra few hours? Right. <laughs> yeah. That's cool. I've never heard that before on the show about, you know, anyone having to actually like ride on a boat to a customer's home. It's very unique. It's, it's, it's like I said, that's part of, um, part of what we really try to do is be all encompassing and, uh, you know, we don't want to have to send customers away. We don't want to say no. So we've really looked at our area, our demographic, um, and again, the outside areas that aren't, um, don't have a lot of service options. We really looked at what we can do to have a mutually beneficial relationship in those communities. And um, there was a need and we figured out how to work with it. Yes. Yeah, so are, are you all the only company in your area that does that? Um, we're, I don't want to say we're the only, but we're definitely one of few. That's cool. So other than the the cozy imagery of the fireplaces, I guess, what are some other marketing tactics that you guys have done that have, that have worked exceptionally well for, I guess, getting new customers? Yeah. So that's a whole other thing that, you know, you have to evolve as you go with the new world. Um, so back when a billboard and phone book was your main, your main advertising, now we um, have our social medias and our we've redone our website and we have all that um you know your google and everything we've now are kind of finding our sweet spot with all the whole new world there i've been with the company just five years now and we've really really evolved and tested things out and tried different things as we went along and we've kind of found our niche now with it so you know having um newer uh, eye-catching designs on your vehicles those are moving billboards you mm -hmm. want to have your name and your your number i'm lucky coming into uh this company where our name is really really synonymous with the industry and so a lot of the advertising and just having your name in front of people again um making sure they're not forgetting about you making sure they know if you're doing something new or you're offering a new product uh we offer we do commercials on our local uh our local news and our local media here uh, television commercials and it's uh, our team and our family and kind of what we do and again throwing our name out there again not necessarily promoting um, a sale or a product but promoting hey we're still here this is what we can do to help so those types of things are great something we've recently done that we've had a lot of positive feedback on is we're working with a local um, news platform an online news platform and they're interviewing us monthly and they're coming up with um, questions and kind of things that people outside of the industry might not be um, privy to. So we've recently done an article on how to fix humidity issues within your home and, and what the importance of that is. And they're coming to us as industry experts and saying, hey, what do we need to know and what can we do to let our, our readers know? And that's been really, really wonderful for us to come and say, kind of as the experts in the industry, here's what um, you need to know. And a little bit, here's how we can help with that as well. Yeah, absolutely. <clears throat> yeah, I've heard I've heard from some like varying metrics in regards to like van wraps and exposure that they get that it can I mean a single company vehicle could get between 10 to 90,000 views a day yeah. depending on the area that you're in uh <clears throat> which is huge and it, and it just speaks to the importance of making sure that it's wrapped and you know has a giant logo on it or you know some form of identification that isn't just a white van with a sticker on the That's side. Right. So what, what do y'all's vans look like? Um, so we're evolving our vans as we go, and we're we're working on 
um, new designs kind of currently, but our colors are, our logo is uh, red and gold. And so we do use white bands, but we have them completely stripped um, mm. in red and gold stripe with our giant logo and phone number on it. Um, yeah. Previously, we listed our services on it, um, you know, in kind of bullet form, or we had products of our, uh, uh, sorry, photos of our product on it, and we've completely stripped that away. We realize people aren't sitting there reading a list of what we're doing, and they're not analyzing the photos to figure out what it is. So, you know, we, again, we want to keep our name out there. We have our name in giant bold letters, and then our phone number and our website pretty large as well. And it's all with a huge wrap um, of two large, large stripes that take up almost the entire van in our colors. Um, the nice part that we've done is we've also moved that all the way around to the back of the van and the front. Um, previously, I know when I came in here, it was kind of strange for uh, industries to wrap the front of their vehicles. But, you know, you have people looking in their mirror behind you and you have um, parking lots, people walking by or when you're parked in a driveway. So you really want every part of your van to be on brand, no matter how somebody's looking at it and from what angle. Yeah. I saw a van recently that had wrapped the front and they had done it reversed so that if you looked in your rear view, you could actually read it. That was pretty cool. Yes. So I've seen that. We have not done that yet, but it's something I kind of want to try on a few vehicles and yeah. see what kind of feedback we get from it. I think it's really neat. And I know some areas, even um, ambulances and emergency vehicles do that so that when you see them coming, uh, you know exactly what it is. So yeah. um, there's got to be, uh, it's a newer trend in our industry for sure to see people trying that out. Um, but if it works, I'm sure I'll, I'm going to jump on board. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I've really gotten... I don't know, I've really been spending a lot of time looking at, you know, different van wraps and stuff online because I feel like, like we were saying, people are really getting creative with these things and they're, and it's just, they're so bold and they, they do even the hood of the van in some instances where, you know, because <clears throat> like you want to be able to like make everyone see your van, no matter if you're working on the third floor of a building and you're looking out the highway and you see a van drive by, then you can see the roof. Yes. And so I, I've really been kind of like, just spending a lot of time, honestly, just looking at it because it, it excites me to see. And I, I feel like I learn a lot about the industry and design trends and stuff like that just by seeing what other people do. It's it's neat. And it's cool to see the. I think the biggest part of it is be, be on brand with your company, have your colors, have um, your logo. And like we said, all over the entire vehicle, the roof, mm -hmm. the hood, the back. Um, don't get fancy with photos. Don't get fancy with product. Um, or, or listing services, just push your brand. I think a lot of people under undervalue um, the power of simple branding. Yeah, absolutely. So earlier, I heard you mention that you kind of you kind of wear a lot of hats around the office. Right. It seems like, uh, and one of those was HR. Yes. Uh, and so, a hot topic we've been covering a lot on the show lately. Uh, no pun intended on the hot thing. Uh, in regards to the fireplaces, but a hot topic we've been talking about here is recruiting. Yes. And how do you find technicians and how do you keep technicians? And I feel like that's definitely a key um, element of HR. So what are some tips that you would uh, give to a listener out there about hiring, retaining, and then even, I guess, firing if you had to? Yeah. So um, it, it all goes together in one, even firing. Firing is an important part because you – what we've decided in the last uh, couple of years here in our company is that our culture and our internal influence and in how people feel about working here is what's most important. And 
hiring is always going to be hard because every single person in our field, in our area at least, is going to get a job somewhere because we need them. Mm-hmm. And so, um, and that's most industries right now, um, but, you know, trade specifically. So hiring is always going to be difficult. So once you hire them, you, you need to keep them. <laughs> that's mm-hmm. what's most important. And if you have a bad egg or um, a toxic personality in there and you're not letting them go because it's hard to hire, well, you're going to lose other people instead. So mm-hmm. keeping, you know, firing is just as important um, to keeping um, the volume of people that you need and of, of workers and team members. So we have um, in the past, I'll say five years, these are things I've worked on since I've been here. We've put in a brand new employee ha- handbook and manual. It lays out all of our policies, all of our everything, and we can go over it. And what that did was take everything from kind of unwritten rules and um, sporadic, maybe things that didn't all align. And it put it in one easy way of saying, hey, here's everyone's expectations. Here's what we want from a company. Here's what we are guaranteeing you as the company and um, everyone put everyone on the same page. We've implemented a wellness program. So we are promoting, um, obviously internally, we want everyone to enjoy and be healthy here, but we're promoting that outside of the um, work environment as well. And that can be physical activity. It can be eating properly. It can be quitting smoking. It might be financial security and literacy if someone, whatever it may entail. And we are offering offering our um, employees an allowance towards um, costs, whether it's gym equipment or memberships or um, legal fees, if they're setting up, you know, um, their their financial security, whatever it may be, we have a very very inclusive list. Um, so, for us, it's all about internal culture. And when you have that internal culture, you have it presented nicely in a positive form, like a handbook. You can, in an interview, say, "Here's what we'd like to bring you into." And you know, as much as, as much as it's kind of you know casting and 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 catching and reeling them in it's then keeping them. (laughs) So that's the most important part. So no part of the hiring, keeping, retaining and firing, no part of that process can be undervalued. And I think that's the biggest thing that we're seeing. Um, But if there's any part that most companies need to concentrate on further, it's the retaining and the internal culture. Um, Everyone works really, really hard to bring people in, but unless you're expanding, if you're keeping your team, you shouldn't have to bring them in that often mm-hmm. if you're keeping them. So that's really where we, we're looking at. We've been very successful. Um, every year we take photos of our 30-year club, our 20-year club, our 10-year club for all of our employees that have been here for many, many years. So we're, we're very lucky that way. And that's something that we we value above all and we really try to hang on to. Yeah. Yeah, I've heard, I've heard now from a few different people like <clears> – <throat> Some people say culture is like this unwritten, this unwritten thing. It's just the way that people feel and it's the, you know, the pizza parties and the whatever it may be. But I feel like culture definitely needs to be written down. Like what your company culture is needs to be written down, like you were saying, included in this, this handbook. And, you know, as as much as a cultural fit is great for the company, like a lot of people still need to realize that like you still have to be able to hire for skills as well. Like yes. <laughs> it needs to be like, first and foremost, can you do the job that we, we need? Cool. Secondly, like, do you fit our company values? And then it's like, all right, now we can talk about hiring. And, and a lot of people, I feel like in the past five years, there's been this huge push on like this feel good cultural movement <laughs> and people are like, Oh, they're a great culture fit, but they don't have the skills we need. So we're going to hire them anyways. And we'll just teach them. And that's when you end up with 
you know, rogue employees doing all kinds of crazy things. So I think it's definitely important to have your culture clearly written down and, and defined. Yes, I, I agree. And culture, sure. If your culture is fun and, you know, you want to do the parties and stuff like that, that is part of culture. But having clear expectations is part of culture. You know, if somebody, if you have um, unequal expectations and there's, well, this person has to do that and this person does things differently and this this person can get away with this and this person can't, um, those lead to poor culture as well. So having actual documented policies and procedures, um, having an, an even keel across is, is very important. So writing things down and documenting is just as important as, you know, um, showing appreciation and having your pizza parties. Um, and like you said, you have to hire people who can do the job and get the job done for your customers that you're servicing. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there are certain roles where um, fitting those core values and what builds your company might be slightly more important than others. For example, um, your comfort advisors, your sales team, your CSRs, the people who are the first and the kind of the face of your company not they are those people externally to your customers but they are internally as well so if your management and your leaders within your company are representing those values every day it's going to trickle through the team yeah absolutely yeah i mean i I think it's i think it's pretty important for everyone to have some sort of core values or belief system and it it just gives you it gives you it's like a binder it's kind of what like you you hire and you can fire based on that and so like even if your core values are just like, you know, transparency, integrity, like, okay, that's it. But that that's okay if that's it, but like, that's, that's it. Like, that's your glue. That's what's holding your morale. It's what's holding your work ethic. That's what's holding everything together. I agree. I think it's important for everyone should be, if they don't know what your core values are, that's okay. Cause that's going to be more important to some people than to others, but then, but they should also be reminded of it frequently then. Um, I know, for example, my background on my desktop is our core values. I want to constantly be reminded when I have to make a decision to base it on those core values. When we're in management meetings, I often say, well, how does this align if we're looking at going this way or this way um, with with what our values are as a company? And it's not something that um, should be difficult once you get in the practice of this is how we base our decisions. Sometimes, especially when you're upper management, it's easy to get in the habit of uh, making quick sporadic decisions based on, you know, in the moment, what's right and what's wrong. And if that's kind of how you operate, it's going to be based on is the customer, is this going to make the customer happy, but maybe not best for um, the employees or vice versa, depending on who you're dealing with. But if you get in the habit of I base my decisions, not on an individual, but on the core values of this company, then uh, eventually everyone's going to be satisfied because you're basing it on integrity, honesty, transparency, whatever they may be. And you can't go wrong. Absolutely. Yep. Like, you know, like we were just saying, it's like when you base it on all those things, it's like, it's the glue. It's your reasoning for why you're making a decision versus because it'll just get it over with, or because it'll just make the customer happy and they won't leave us a bad Google review. That's Um, right. So Absolutely. I think those are, those are absolutely great tips. So um, let's hit one last topic here before we, uh, before we wrap it up. This has been a great conversation, Derek. Um, So if there was someone out there listening right now who was, who was struggling to 
find, I guess, their set of core values or find, you know, what their culture is going to look like? What's some advice you would give them in creating that? Ask for help. Ask your existing team what they think your company stands for right now. Ask them what they are, um, what they believe their values are as an employee to in the company. And then sit down in a circle, sit with your management team, your leaders, whoever it may be, and, and work it out and say, here's what we look at right now. And you'll probably be shocked. You'll probably have something great to work off of. And if there's something, if you're in a changing period or you're adjusting and there's somewhere you want to go, then say, okay, well, this is what we need to concentrate on to get there. And that's how you can look at building your core values. Our number one core value is safety here. And that's because in the industry we're in, we need that for our employees and for our customers. Mm -hmm. And you know what? It's really funny when we have a customer saying, well, we just want to do this or they have, um, you know, they're upset because we flag their product or something that they have installed that's 25 years old and leaking carbon uh, out in input. And they're upset with us. And we say, you know what? We base our decisions primarily off the safety of everyone. And here's why. And you can explain it that way, but you can actually fall back on your core values and say, this is why we made the decision. Everyone's everyone understands then. Yeah. And so really look at your community or within your company already and ask them for some help. And I think that's the best way to get started on setting your own core values. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. That's, that's a great idea. There's a lot of companies out there that do not have core values. So, and I think that that would be a great starting point for you. Um, if you, took away anything from this episode and, and began implementing some type of core values. I'd love to hear those stories. Um, you can email me at eric at rivaldigital.com. Uh, and I'd love to just chat with anybody who's, who's taken away some type of advice from this episode. So Derek, thank you again for being our guest on this show before we, uh, before we hop off, what is a good way for people to reach out to you or learn more about word law? Yeah, thank you for having me. It's been a pleasure being here with you. Uh, so again, I'm Derek at Word Law Heating and Cooling. Um, we do have our website, wordlawheatingandcooling.ca. We are up in Canada, so it's .ca. But you are also welcome to email me or reach out to me, djackson at wordlawhc.ca. And I'm happy to discuss anyone um, in the industry or, or, or not who's looking at um, any of these topics or more. I'm happy to always happy to talk about them. Awesome. Well, Derek, I hope you have a great rest of your afternoon and we will talk to you soon. Thanks so much. Have a great day.